Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Shankelberg. And this is Greg Hutchins, part of the Fred and Greg Show. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's, I, I, I know it's an ever evolving list of hosts that we have and, and bringing different points of view. So I'm glad you're, you're back again. We'll talk some more about some risk stuff. But we actually got a, a, a question. It was a uh, a couple weeks ago, actually, and it took us a while to get back on the on the microphone, but it was um, it was a, a short request, so there's not a whole lot of context. I don't have a whole lot to put into this thing, but it was um, how do you do a risk assessment? And it was something, and there was a phrase on it that was, "Should you use a template?" or or I think it was phrase, "Is there a template?" or a check sheet available or something like that. And I, I thought, you know, of all the conversations we'd had over the years, Greg, it, it's, it sounds like every single enterprise risk management program or company or entity pretty much has to create their own unique program for their circumstance. There's frameworks available, but the, the local application is like a reliability plan, which this audience knows well. My opinion is that you you, you tailor the plan for your current circumstances. Uh, you don't pull one off the shelf. Um, it, but it wasn't also, it wasn't clear to me, was it an assessment of the, of the existing or potential risks facing them? Or was it the that that feedback check step at the end of, you know, the cycle where you go, well, how's our program working? You know, are we catching what we should catch and are we responding appropriately and communicate all that stuff. So it's a pretty wide open topic. So what's your, what's your thought on that or, or, and don't ask any clarifying questions because I, I don't have anything more than what I just said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, well, golly. Yeah. That's a really deep and profound question. So let me contextualize this if we can. So I had a boss that said, um, understanding context is worth 20 IQ points. One of my favorite expressions. Yep. I've heard that before <laughs> from you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, context is really part of the important element when you're going into risk management or any type of risk issue, because what you see depends upon where you sit. Okay. And part of it is that if you're going to do a risk assessment at the enterprise level, it's fundamentally going to be different than at the product, transactional, or service level. And part of it is the use of words. So if I'm going into an organization doing an enterprise-wide assessment, I'm coming in more from, a, from a, what I would call actually designing a risk framework. So let me talk about that for a second. Is that okay, Fred? Yeah, sure. Okay, so part of it is the context. If I'm coming in at the top level, that's one, that's one type of assessment, risk assessment, compared to the product level, which would probably be a, a product FEMA, a failure mode effects analysis. So depending upon which level I'm coming in, I'm going to use a different set of tools. If I'm coming in at the 
uh, enterprise level. What we do is we actually architect, design, deploy, and assure uh, risk controls. Now, let me just say those again. Architect controls, or actually architect a framework, design, meaning tailor the controls to the to the context of the organization, deploy them, which is really hearts and minds, and then do the assurance, meaning closing the loop. And that architect, design, deploy, and assure is our PDCA cycle in risk management. What would be an, uh, um, an example, you know, from your experience working with one of these companies, what, what, what would go through that process to give it some bones of different than a product you know, a design FMEA where I'm looking at the the elements of this pump and will it meet the needs of this particular device? You know, I think I'm familiar with that level. I'm not so familiar with the C level. Yeah, yeah. So um, we've done it in cyber. We've done it in operations. We've done it in, um, when I say operations, let's say take a utility. Um the big thing right now, for example, is um, environmental, what we call SEG, environmental uh, you know, uh, type of analysis. The, in the U.S., the Securities and Exchange Commission, this is happening really right now, and a number of clients have come to us. And the Securities and Exchange Committee, uh, Commission three weeks ago said every publicly held company has to evaluate <laughs> – <laughs> their ESG. Well, but how is that? I mean, what's it? I mean, how is it different than an FMEA? Because in an FMEA, we'd say, well, the pump doesn't work or doesn't meet spec, you know, whereas an environmental risk assessment, I, I'm only imagining, and I have no idea if I'm right or not, is that you go, well, if the water rises or if we have more severe storms or if we have, you know, whatever, what's the impact to our ability to deliver electricity kind of assessment? But I, I don't know if an, if that's different than an environmental impact statement kind of thing for a new project. I, I, I don't have a context of what's an example at that level. Yes. So in a product, you have specifications, you have reliability, you have a plan, you have criteria that you're going to look at. Mm -hmm. At the enterprise level, like the ESG requirements, everything's unknown. Well, that makes it clear as mud. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, we, we a lot of consultants think this is the Full Employment Act. This is the equivalent of uh, Sarbanes-Oxley 20 years ago. Okay. But, I mean, but what kind of questions would rise to this kind of a discussion? I mean, is it the more erratic weather? Would that be part of this uh, SEC requirement and how that impacts stuff? Or Remember we were talking a minute ago about context. Mm -hmm. Defining the context, the boundary conditions, the situation for the organization, its stakeholders, is going to be one of the most important things, for example, doing. And by the way, it's a requirement now well, proposed requirement for publicly held companies to do this risk assessment. Well, with sustainability. But, you know, but that can, sustainability is one part of it, but I remember years ago learning about a, a, a system, I want to say it was SWAT, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, I don't remember what the last one was. Um, threats. Threats. 
and threat seems to be right in the heart of the risk assessment kind of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is the problem. And it's a huge problem because this thing from the environmental perspective, again, it's got to be tailored. If you're not careful, you're going to boil the ocean, meaning you're going to look at every possible threat in the world. And really, that's not going to be dealing with the issues that are really critical to the shareholder, to the regulatory authorities. Yeah, so we don't have to worry about that new 80-mile uh, <laughs> comet they found. <laughs> exactly. That, that, yeah, that missed the earth by a, a day or two. That's right. And this is, the, this is the problem. When you're dealing with a risk assessment at the lower level, say at the product level, the boundary conditions, the product, the criteria, the standards by which you're going to evaluate it against are known. Yeah, pretty much. When you're looking yeah. at it from the enterprise level, we have many unknowns or unknowables. And that's going to be one of the first problems. The second part of that thing is, you know, when you're doing these assessments, risk assessment, there's this issue of wording, what we call taxonomy, right? Right. And if I'm going to do an enterprise assessment, I'm going to do, you know, use a risk PDCA equivalent. When I'm looking at the product level, I'm going to use a FEMA. So let's say I'm looking at a process and I'm doing a risk assessment. In the taxonomy of the purists in risk, <laughs> a risk assessment really covers three areas, risk identification, risk analysis, and risk evaluation. Okay, this that is, sounds familiar. Absolutely. And that's really the basis of most of the frameworks. Now, here's the problem. In a risk assessment, you do not deal with mitigation or risk treatment or risk management. Well, the assessment part is, I think, more of that identification part, isn't it? Where it's, Absolutely. you know, what are the the big hitters that we need to actually do something about? It's just determining that. But there's a second kind of assessment, but you use the different term. It's when you're kind of sitting back on occasion saying, is this program working? Did we find the right things? Did we respond to them right? Is the communication working? That, in my mind, that's also called an assessment, but it's an internal of your own program. Or is it called something else? Audit or something like that? That's really part of the assurance cycle. Assurance, okay. See, when it's more than three syllables and I can't spell either one of them, then <laughs> I get them confused. <laughs> well, that's why we're the Fred and Greg show. We're monosyllabic. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so, you know, I'm being a little bit of a stinker, Fred. And, you know, if somebody is listening to this program, they're saying, What's this guy talking about? Uh, risk management is really a very convoluted thing. And it's got to be scoped and it's got to be tailored to the application or the context of the organization, the product. Um, for example, one of the standards out there, ISO 31000, has got 34 different ways to conduct a risk assessment. Everything from a checklist for, to doing sophisticated statistics. Hmm. Yes, a checklist is a risk assessment. But I can imagine that it'd be well. Now everybody would have supply chain on their on their, <laughs> on their list, but it's you know your different business model or 
business processes. So how do we acquire customers? How do we serve customers? How do we, you know, the, the billing invoicing processes, the, uh, the supply chain processes, the vetting of suppliers, the, I mean, each of those are business processes that um, done poorly could, you know, to use the evergreen uh, shipping analogy, ground you in a sandbar. <laughs> Yeah, and just for our, for our readers, Evergreen was the infamous company in the Suez Canal that had a step shuck stuck right in the middle. Well, wasn't it the sister ship? This this group just does not know how to navigate. I tell you, as the their sister ship was in what um, Baltimore Harbor, Baltimore Harbor in the in the flats they call it. Yep, 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 yep. I remember years ago, a buddy of mine was he was the. Um, the, the, I don't know what his title was, but he, he basically scheduled what we're going to run for products through the factory and was kind of taking orders and trying to juggle how do we make enough to meet all the orders in the next couple of weeks and then arranging shipping out. Uh-huh. And we used uh, yellow trucks, the yellow shipping trucks. <laughs> and so there was the, uh, what was the big earthquake years ago in Cal- in uh, Los Angeles area? It was, I want to say long it wasn't Long Beach. It was north of LA area. Just Northridge. Like, Northridge, yeah. And some of their elevated freeways collapsed. And one of them, one section was still standing. And it was about three truck trailer lengths. It was still there. And of course, there was a yellow truck in the middle of it. And it had like a 40-foot drop on either side of it. The roads were gone. It couldn't back up or go forward. It was stuck on this post basically. And uh, so of course he had a picture of this thing outside his door going, this is where your shipment is. (laughs) (laughs) Can I bring up a couple examples? Yes, please. Why this, you know, the context is important as well to use your term tailoring. Um, Every type of risk assessment has got to be tailored to the circumstances, the context, the customer, the product of the organization. Why? Because what you see depends on where you sit and how you do the analysis, the assessment. If I'm doing it from 30,000 feet, it's going to be different than uh, looking at it at the functional product reliability level. Um, When you're doing these assessments, it's really important also to find how are you doing it? So I'll give you an example. Um, A lot of people, especially doing a risk assessment, look at it in terms of threats and vulnerabilities. What's the threat? What's the vulnerability of a cybersecurity system? I'll use that as an example. So a number of years ago, I was (laughs) a client was going after ISO 27001. They dropped a quarter million bucks into the risk assessment, and they were wondering why the consultant wanted another half a million. So, large company, a couple billion bucks in revenue, and they had uh, servers all over the world, and they had all types of data centers all over the world. And when I came in, and I was essentially retained to fix what they were doing so they could you know, close the loop, get their ISO 27001 cybersecurity assessment done. And I looked at it, and in their registry, risk registry, 
they had 25,000 threats and vulnerabilities. It's like, what, a listing of every possible attack that could occur? Yes, exactly. Every possible attack, every possible vulnerability, every, anyway, get the idea. And I, <laughs> and I said, guys, you know, this is wrong. You're boiling the ocean. Yeah, there's only like six, right? There's denial of service. It can happen many different kinds of ways, but that's a huge chunk of those 25,000. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that, <laughs> and yeah, I'm thinking, okay, should I basically prolong this thing and maybe get a couple more thousand bucks or should I just simply tell them this is the solution, walk away with maybe 2,000 as opposed to 50,000? I said, okay, the better my better self, you know, my better angel <laughs> took over. And I yeah. said, you guys are doing this wrong. Focus on the critical few that impact the materiality of the organization. You know, you've got IP, you have critical infor information that you want to uh, save. It can be uh, drawings, it could be IP, it could be personal identity information. Mm -hmm. Focus on those critical assets. Everything else is noise. Protect those assets and basically cut down your 25,000 threats to maybe 200, 150. Yeah. <laughs> the VP, the CIO essentially got it, uh, fired the firm that already had collected <laughs> a quarter million. You know, paid me, I think, what maybe five, ten thousand bucks. We all left happy. But the problem <laughs> <laughs> the problem was interpretation, scoping, and really understanding the standards and understanding the organization. Well, I mean, that's another whole level of risk that I run into yeah, is that, exactly. that some people say they want to be ISO nine thousand for their factory and they <laughs> boil the ocean and you know, so if you want to take a bathroom break, here's the procedure. Make sure you follow the steps and, you know, like, <laughs> stop it, stop it. It doesn't affect anything, you know, and, uh, but I've run into people that I, I ran into a, a discussion just the other day. It says, well, we can't use uh, that software because nobody's validated the calculations are correct. So yeah, yeah. are you going to do it by hand instead? Is that valid? <laughs> you know, which going to have more mistakes? And and they went and it was on and on and on. And then they had to have a double check on their calculations. And not. but I think the larger picture is is that organizations, in, at least in my world, um, say, well, we're going to make sure our product is water resistant. It's an important thing for our customer. We're going to make sure it's a th you know thrust for our design. It's a move for our market. We got to do all this stuff, and it, and it becomes an important thing for many companies. Like, oh, we're going to have this stand. This feature will separate us from everybody else. And then they're like, well, how do you do that? Well, let's get a standard. And then it fails miserably because it doesn't take into account their technology or their threats or risks or anything else. And and but the higher level risk is that a standard is good enough. Whereas the tr transactional one is, are we designing this well? You know, is this meeting the requirements or not? But if you start at the high level saying, we trust the standard, you're, you're pretty much screwed, I think. Let's go back to the SEC requirements for environment. The critical term 
which is the suitable term, is called materiality. Will this environmental impact materially impact, meaning financially impact, the 10Ks or 10Qs, which are the financial statements? Right. So if nothing gets reported below $1,000, then it's not material, for example. Exactly. And quite often it could probably be $100 million, but you get the idea. It's right. a matter of, is $100 million compared to a trillion material? Maybe, probably not. Um, but you see, depends every, on what size your company is and what your threshold is. Because it, what's important to your stakeholders across the board? What would they need to know? Absolutely right, Fred. See, I listen. We've talked over the years. I listen well, <laughs> sometimes. You know, not always. But. <laughs> that's why they call it the Fred and Greg Show. You know, <laughs> I'm banana. You know, I'm the guy who carries your water, Fred. So yeah. <laughs> you know, but when it's a but there's an overlap, right? If we're working on our Keystone project and it's the, the you know, make or break the company and we've gazillion dollars in investment in, in, in designing this new widget or system, whatever. And if it goes out and nine out of 10 fail in the first week, well, that's a problem. That's material. And right? that materiality threshold is really the risk appetite or risk tolerance threshold. And the organization level, we call it risk appetite. At the product level, we call it risk tolerance. And again, at the product level, it can be defined in terms of uh, what is statistically, um, uh, uh, is it in statistical control? And what's the standard say in terms of upper and lower specs? Right. You know, the way you look at the problem that we're trying to solve, whether it's at the enterprise level, process programmatic, or product transactional, will have a different risk assessment and risk acceptance. Okay, well, that's a good summary. We could, we'll wrap. We'll, we'll just wrap it up right there. Um, uh, but the idea is, is that assessments are different than the assurance. The assurance, it is my confusion, is that it, that's to check your program, your system of risk management assessments is looking at the threats essentially that are facing you or opportunities, the, the risk profile or the risk uh, elements that are out there that can cause you material harm at your, the appropriate level or context. Absolutely. Okay. So if you're listening to this and we've completely confused you with the Greg and Fred show or the Fred and Greg show, um, <laughs> let us know, we, you know, um, one of the things that I find in over the years of talking with Greg is that there's um, a lot of overlap of what we do at the, like an FMEA design or a system level FMEA and what the senior staff is doing in, in assessing their business risk and, or environmental risk or whatever it is. But we also are part of a larger system. So that's why we're, I've really invited Greg into the show is so we can make those connections. Now, if you've got questions for us that uh, Greg would be a, the best person I know of to answer it or a good person to, to address your question, let us know. Head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR, or you can find Greg or I and the other hosts of the show on LinkedIn or on uh, our about pages. We have contact inf info there. So lots of ways for you to get in touch. Um, 
But whether you're looking at this from a product level or for a process level or from an enterprise level, uh, let us know if you've got some questions or so on so that uh, uh, Greg and I can fill up the roster or the, the list of topics for us to talk about going forward. And, and it's a big part of our show is, is hearing from you. So uh, uh, any last thoughts there, Greg, on this one? Absolutely. Uh, if you don't ask, you don't get. So ask and uh, <laughs> probably Fred <laughs> will know the answer and I'll fill in some of the background. Yeah, there Thanks. you go. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Hey, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation. If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.